Hi, everyone, and welcome back to RPG R&D, a podcast where I sometimes mess up the name of the show as soon as I'm introducing <laughs> it. My name is Jess. <laughs> I'm, I'm your, your host, Jess. I'm here with my co-host, Craig. Hi, Craig. How's it going? Um, sorry, sorry, sorry. I forgot. Any nominated RPG designer... Craig Campbell oh, here my. blessing us with the podcast. <laughs> blessing you. You knew me when. Don't forget the little people. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm Craig Campbell. <laughs> I'm Craig Campbell. I'm the owner of Nerdworker Games. I've made a whole bunch of RPGs. And uh, this year, 2022, I'm nominated Good Strong Hands. The game Good Strong Hands is nominated for Best Family Game and for Best Rules, which is um, a strange sort of validation on two fronts because it's kind of like, oh, you like the game in general. But then also as a designer, the designer side, it's like, oh, you like the rules, <laughs> like the, which is, you know, not necessarily something that a lot of people latch on to. A lot of people like the, you know, like the, the setting and the story and what the game's about. But um, we also have a guest here today. Oh, yeah. So go vote, go vote, go vote. <laughs> Uh, and we have a guest here, um, and as it worked out, we got another Annie-nominated person. Hi, Sam. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. Sam, tell us about yourself and your any nomination. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm Sam Lee. My pronouns are she, her. Uh, I am also a game designer. I've been designing games for about a year and a half um, under Blinking Birch Games, and uh, I am currently Annie-nominated for uh, Best Electronic Book for my game Anamnesis, and specifically the version that has designer's commentary. So Anamnesis is this single player game that uses tarot cards to tell a story about reflection and identity. And the designer's commentary version has annotations in it that are my insights into what went behind the game design, uh, why I made the choices that I made, things like that. Um, so it's very, very exciting. <laughs> and uh, Craig, similarly, very validating. Uh, it was definitely a shock and uh, a very pleasant surprise. That's really cool. I love the idea of a director's commentary book. That would be something that's very interesting to a lot of game designers who want to look into the process because I buy a lot of games just to look at game design. I've, I've thought about that idea um, but I never really thought to put it like in a version of the game itself where I've talked about that sort of stuff on podcasts and on my discord and all that sort of stuff. So like if, if people really want to know, they can dig it up. But like putting it into the game book is a whole other level of kind of what's, you know, what's behind the curtain and yeah. why is why is this the way it is? I got the idea from Aaron Lim, who did it for his game an Altogether Different River. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I saw that and I really loved it. It was really cool. And I I was like, I really want to see more designers doing this because it's just, set, it's so cool to be able to look behind the curtain. And so as soon as I read that, I knew that I wanted to do one for Anamnesis. I find myself wondering if it would be like, you could do it with PDF versions of games that are already done where you put the commentary on another layer and you manage mm -hmm. the layers within the PDF. So oh. like- like, and you just make a note in the front of the book that that, that that exists. So people who want to go digging for it can. And then like that way, you don't have to like relay out the book. <laughs> that would be cool. That's a good idea. I know that Aaron with his, he did like sticky notes on the PDF. Um, so there's like one version that has sticky notes on it that you can open and look at. With Anamnesis, uh, Thomas Benwell, who did the layout, uh, made another version that just had it had the game on the left page and then blank pages on the right page and so the annotations are on the right page as you go through it i see okay i was wondering mm -hmm. i do the layout design for my games so i was gotcha. like how how would that work out without murdering me oh uh -huh, yeah <laughs> well, it's the cliffs yeah. notes it's kind of the cliffs notes version yeah. too like those those cliffs notes where you had like the shakespeare on the left and on the right was the breakdown of like what's going on what mm -hmm. shakespeare's talking about and what's the historical context of this thing and definitely have used this before yes yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah it's uh it's great i i tried to originally i did try to just take the original pdf and put annotations on it and it just looked very messy <laughs> you know just like little <laughs> things trying to fit things into the margins and it was it was no it wasn't very good so I'm uh, grateful for Thomas for making the other version um that it looks so much cleaner than it used to well congratulations to the both of you thank you and please again just everyone listening go vote for the Ennies go go <laughs> go vote because especially these indie designers need some help if you like their games so 
Go vote for them. Anyway, riddle me this, Craig. What is our first topic? Riddle (laughs) me this. Uh, The first topic would be uh, riddles. Um, Whoa. Using using riddles in uh, as a GM in your game. And this was this is one of those little topics that we've had floating um, on our list. Jess and I keep a list of possible topics, and there's a few of them that are kind of very specific and they're hard sometimes to pair with a GM or mm-hmm. with a design topic. And we, we, we try to do these weird sort of meshes. So riddles are one of those kind of short and sweet, fun little things that you can integrate into a game. And they're, they have a, a history in certain types of games, certain fantasy games, you know, going back to Tolkien, speak friend and pass. The whole thing with Gollum. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And all, you know, it, they can be tricky though, right? They can be, because it's one of those types of things that you bring into the game that very specifically, there's there's a line between what the players are capable of figuring out and working out and what the characters could be capable of working out. Because if you have a character yeah. in the group that's like the smartest person in the world, why aren't they just going, you know, snapping their fingers and going, oh, I know this. Or what? if you have characters that have access to great repositories of knowledge via magic or technology, why aren't they just figuring this thing out very quickly? Mm-hmm. Um, or a, even a character that has uh, access to a great many followers and people. Why aren't they crowdsourcing out? You know, why don't they ask all their, all their, uh, you know, their guilds that they're, that they have contacts with to ask, you know, to, to figure something out. Um, and so I thought we would talk a little bit about just ways that we can um, utilize riddles in um, games as GMs and like maybe what some of the pitfalls are um, dealing with all that and just little suggestions and things. And we'll see what we come up with. Yeah, sure. When, when you presented this topic to me, that what you just said is the first thing that I was thinking of, <laughs> you know, how there can be such a discrepancy between player and character, uh, which it so in disclosure, I love riddles. <laughs> I love riddles <laughs> in games. I, I, um, I, when I was in like middle school, I kept a notebook of every riddle that I heard that I loved. Wow. <laughs> so I'm just kind of a fan of them in general. And I love seeing them in games, but it's not, it's not for everyone. Um, and I've definitely been in games before where like some people were into it and some people weren't. So it's kind of, I think part of it also depends on your group, right? And what they're into. And if they if they like to do that kind of almost outside of the game problem solving. But yeah, I think that there are ways that you can integrate them a little bit better into the game itself and into like what your character knows and doesn't. But I think it's also more work on the GM to do that too. What do you have any suggestions for how a GM might integrate it better? I feel like there could be like if you as a GM write a riddle, like a, a unique one that has to do with things that are specific to the world that you're playing in. So a, something about different creatures or the type of magic going on and possibly has information involved that your characters have gathered as they've gone through the campaign, or maybe even information that some of your characters might not be privy to yet. And then if you have a character who's really high on nature, for example, and this riddle references a plant, then they can roll to see what they know about that plant, right? Or or you could roll a history check to see if, you know, assuming this is D&D, right? <laughs> um, you could roll a history check to see to go back through your memory and think, wait, we encountered this creature that's being referenced here. Does that ring any bells, right? Yeah. So kind of a little bit of using the mechanics of the game in order to help move towards the answer of the riddle could be really interesting. That is not something that I have done before. <laughs> so uh, it, it would be an interesting thing to try in theory. But I think that that's maybe a way that you could kind of get away from the difference of the player versus the character in solving a riddle. That was, I was thinking the same thing, like using some of that in-game knowledge. I love Mm -hmm. the idea of like a botany-based riddle. Uh, I just played a whole game called Strange Horticulture, which is very (laughs) similar to that. You have to identify different plants. It's very fun. I definitely recommend. Okay. But yeah, you have, you have the horticulturist character in your game 
uh, reward them for for having that knowledge by giving them maybe a riddle that only they can solve. And but maybe they like like Sam said, maybe they don't have all the information yet. They have to go out and investigate it. It could be riddles that lead to different places on a map. And along the way, the other characters, even the characters, even the players who don't like riddles in general, they will have other things to do. Meanwhile, the characters who are really invested are going to spend the whole time thinking, 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 okay, what is this? Is this the right spot? Are the clues here in place? I think that that it's a little bit more engaging and better than giving someone a very common riddle, like what walks mm-hmm. on four legs and the, you know, the things the morning, that everyone yeah. knows. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I think that those riddles are great, mm-hmm. but like the ones that are very co- like the old riddles, but they kind of reward people who already know a lot about riddles. Yeah, they, I agree. They are not as helpful and also not as thematic. You can do so many more thematic things if you pull information from your actual setting. Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, as much as I love those riddles, right? <laughs> I, I absolutely agree. It's really nice when you can have things that come from the setting itself. I think that if, I think there are ways to include, I think there are ways to incorporate riddles from like our world, right? That, that could be good in your game. But at the same time, I think, that if you do that, it might also be nice to have other possible solutions. Like maybe you can have a door, right? And you have to speak the answer of this riddle to this door. But, you know, if you really don't want to solve the riddle, then maybe you can just smash the door down, right? So there's kind of, it's it's nice to, I think, if you're going to include riddles like that to also include alternate paths in case you have a group that you're playing with who just isn't as big of a fan of them um it's more of a door smashing fan yeah or just get stumped yeah yeah you you could you could think the riddle is so incredibly straightforward that if they just think about it for a few minutes and talk amongst themselves that somebody will come up with it and then they just don't Mm -hmm. like it happens everybody has a brain fart and they just i don't have any idea and then and then (laughs) like you you know, let them, like like you said, let them smash the door down or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's the GM's law. If you think the riddle is going to be very easy, if you think something's going to be very easy in your game, it's <laughs> going to be incredibly complicated. And if you think yeah. it's going to be very challenging, they're going to knock it out in two seconds. Mm-hmm. It's like Murphy's mm-hmm. law for GMs. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> and related to something um, each of you were kind of saying already too is you know, tying it into the history and it, especially if this, if the riddle comes up kind of several sessions into a campaign, mm-hmm. the, the alter, the, like the riddle could be not terribly difficult to figure out, but the presentation of the riddle or the figuring out of the riddle could serve an ulterior motive. You could use yeah. it to just remind the players of certain things that have happened in the past, things that they've run into. And it is like, this puts this back in your head to think about, like if the riddles has something to do with, um, uh, guilds in the city and mm-hmm. you know, like they've met guild masters and guild members from the city like you're gonna make a big make up make up make up a riddle about like you know like who gets who gets things done in the city and it's all these different guilds and which one you know gets this thing done it's a riddle right like the, you're reminding them that these guilds exist and they're going to get a chance to talk about that a little bit and kind of bring that to the table a little bit and that allows you to then be like okay now i've just given them exposition that didn't require me to just barf exposition at them yeah because they generated the exposition themselves so the riddle Mm -hmm. has its own purpose which isn't just solving that is a cool idea and bouncing off of that uh jess and also something that you said earlier about like being a map or leading to a map or something having a riddle that you know maybe i'm going back to the door maybe you have a door that has like three indents in it right and then there's a riddle that has three stanzas and so you each stanza leads you to a location where you can find a gemstone to put into the door right so the riddles themselves you don't actually want them to be that difficult because you want the players to figure them out and go to the location right um and of course again murphy's law of jamming (laughs) you never really know but you can kind of also allow players to make checks to see like the stuff that's referenced in the riddle, have they, do they know where that's from? You know, does, does any of it ring a bell? So I think, I think I I agree having riddles that further a purpose 
providing information, giving a location, anything like that, or maybe like even imbuing magic, right? Mm. Uh, speaking the, a riddle to gain some sort of power, uh, I think is definitely more narratively interesting than just unlocking a door. I like the riddle that imbues some sort of power. And then if you really wanted to be a little bit wicked, mm-hmm. but maybe every time they say aloud the the wrong answer to a riddle, maybe something changes. Maybe like oh. you, you think the answer to the four, four legs in the morning thing, oh, it's clearly a kobold. And then maybe you get <laughs> rained down with a bunch of kobolds and now you have to fight the kobolds or do something else with the kobolds. Oh, that's funny. I like that. <laughs> you can also do like the 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 villain type riddle. Maybe mm-hmm. it's not it's meant to be particularly easy to solve for the players because the villain needs the answer to the riddle and oh. you are doing the dirty work for the villain. They're getting super That's super fun. excited to solve this riddle and all along you are just helping out the bad guy. Also love the idea too just from a like villain character creation perspective of of providing a riddle that is actually really easy and having a villain who's like man I I can't get this riddle I gotta get (laughs) I gotta get this band of adventurers to go through this whole dungeon thinking that it's their idea and solve this super super easy riddle for me love that I want to I want to make that one shot now that's extremely fun (laughs) um a thought too is um there's a tendency with when, when we think about these riddles, it's like, you know, the, the Tolkien thing of, right. You're like, you mm-hmm. know, like the, nothing moves forward. If we don't get through that door right now that you can generate riddles um, that the characters have to solve, that the players have to solve that, that aren't barrier riddles. They, they they're not intended to get you to the next scene or the next bit of the story. They're, they're going to pay off down the road. Give the players the chance to think about it. Give them chance to talk about it outside of the game. Let you I mean if you don't have a problem with them looking stuff up on the internet, like yeah, like play that, like play that out later. It just becomes a meta game that kind of sits that layers on top of the game that you're playing together at the time, and gives them the chance to 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 dig that um, information up later. Um, I did uh, something. It's not with riddles, but I did something akin to that with with uh, with a game once where they had to identify runes, and nobody really none of the people knew runes and none of the character backstories were anything about runes, but I, I went and put together runes information, like put mm-hmm. together a string of runes from actual real world runes. And this Very was a, cool. like a game that was set in the modern day. And so when the characters were in between adventures, they went searching for information on runes by just Love going that. on the internet themselves. And they figured the thing out in between game sessions. That's, I am such a fan of things like that. (laughs) Like having the players, giving the players something that they can chew on outside of the game, whether it's, whether it's a long-term thing between sessions or whether it's a short thing that's going on during the session. I know in one of my games, I have this little puzzle box so you can put something in it and close it. And there's not an obvious way to open it. Um, So I put like a note in this box and then I put this box on the table. Like, Hey, you found this box you know, try to open it, see what's inside. And so while we were playing throughout the session, the characters were trying to open this box and the players were also trying to open this box, right? And eventually <laughs> one of them got it and opened it and saw the note. So um, yeah, I love, I love that idea of creating a riddle that you know isn't going to be easy to solve at first, that the players just don't have the information at first to solve it, but that throughout their adventure, they're gradually going to get this information or can go online and look up things that might lead them to the solution. And then just as a DM saying like, hey, by the way, you know, you might not have (laughs) the information to solve this yet. Just giving that them that little nudge so that they're not scratching their heads for 10 minutes over it um, and kind of letting it stew with them for a while because that's also really fun it builds that anticipation it builds that wonder of what this is going to lead to next if this is something that i have to work on for a while i think that that's that for me is very exciting as both a gm and a player i love being able to solve that stuff as a player and i love watching the i love watching my players gradually figure it out as a gm it's very rewarding i love that too the only experience i well one of the major experiences i guess because I'm sure that there have been riddles that I don't remember. <laughs> With riddles in a game, 
uh, happens pretty early on, like in a campaign and we'll get some sort of letter and the names will be sort of encoded with nicknames and or like place names that we don't quite understand. And that in and of itself is a riddle. And then as we keep going, we have this letter, like, what does this mean? What does this mean? Uh-huh. And then maybe we find another letter that tells us who this person is. Like, oh, there it is. We got it. We got this. We got this part. And that might help us. And that just like the process rather than the actual solution, that anticipation, like you said, Sam, makes the reward of solving it so much better and more mm-hmm. satisfying. And it's it's just a it's just a good feeling to solve yeah. a little bit of a mystery for me. Maybe not everyone likes it, but I I'm with you there. I I had a GM um, a couple years ago who gave uh, also a letter right that was from like one it was like from a member of a cult to another member that we intercepted. And so we were reading through it and there were, there were like pieces that we could put together, but there were also pieces that we were like, I don't know what this is referring to. And so we definitely had to figure out over time. And one of the funny things at the time was that the letter was signed with the letter N. So it was like, oh, this is by, this is by N. This is by somebody who goes by N or whose name starts with N. And so for months, I was like, I got to find this N person, right? <laughs> and then it was like near, near the end of the campaign, we realized that this letter didn't stand for a person. It standed for like a whole organization. And so it was, and it was like months of asking people <laughs> around the town, like, have you heard of N? <laughs> Do you know somebody who goes by N, right? Um, Suspecting so, every character that had an N name. A hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I had a list of them. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it was, uh, and it just, but that kind of surprise and that like slow figuring out of what's going on. I, I love it. I think it's a lot of fun. And from a GMing perspective, there are few things more satisfying as a GM for me anyway, as having something that you've set up over the course of a few different sessions over the course of time, having it pay off at some point. Yeah, absolutely. When, when like, I'm sure the GM who had the, 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 the letter with the N when, when you all figured it out, the GM's Mm -hmm. like, and there we are. Yep. Like, <laughs> mission accomplished. I, uh-huh. I had them wondering for all this time. We created some great role play out of it. There was a lot of little, um, like, you know, they almost goofed this up because they were thinking this or that. And like, and then, and then it finally pays off. And then they get their moment to like bask in that glory and, yeah. and, and take advantage of what they've actually solved. I think there's a really interesting parallel between riddles and prophecies in Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. games i was thinking about that yeah it's uh, like a lot of the stuff that we're saying really applies also to prophecies and i think that if we're talking about like a character versus player knowledge perspective that like prophecies tend to mingle the two of those a little bit better because they are when you think about when you think about prophecies in a game you are thinking about an in-game story you're thinking about an in-game event and when you're thinking about riddles in a game you're not always thinking that right you can think about real world riddles as well and so you know i think that as we've been talking about there are great ways that you can create riddles that are in fact more based around the events going on in the game Um, but prophecies have a lot in common in that you know a lot of times you get that gradual kind of figuring out of them or you can consider what's happened already in the game, the information that you've gathered as you've been going through everything to try to solve them. I think that there's a lot that, I think there's a lot in common with them. And I think that there's a lot that you can learn about how to make a good in-game riddle from prophecies in-game. I thought about that quite a bit leading into this, (laughs) where I I, I think I broke, like in my mind, it breaks down to kind of the idea that both riddles and prophecies have a vagueness to them at the beginning that um, where there's there's information presented to you, but it doesn't all make sense. It doesn't all tie together. And then when it's solved or when the when the riddle is solved or when the prophecy presents itself comes true, mm-hmm. there's an aha. Yeah, an, oh, yeah. now I see how this and that. The best together. moment. <laughs> and the best moment. And prophecies can kind of be like I think a lot of GMs use prophecies. Um, as a way to like you pr- provide very vague information and then pay it off like whatever worry works best. You don't necessarily have the specific plan. You might have an yeah. idea, 
but you let it pay off um, down um, how you know how it gets there. And especially when it's going to be way down the road, you have no idea where the campaign is going to be. Like mm -hmm. you know, will 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 my initial idea even really fit the campaign anymore? And uh, and a riddle can kind of be that as well. Like there's a possibility of there being more than one answer that makes sense, especially if it's a a riddle that you're letting play for a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and it's, it's the, the dirty secret of all the GMs. We've Jess and I have talked about it on this podcast a few times where it's like, sometimes the players come up with something that's 10 times better than what that you is. were planning. Uh -huh. And you just decide, Oh, yep. That's the answer to the riddle. Absolutely. Yep. Because I can do something really cool with that. My brain is now and I'm ready to go for next session. And we're going to pay off that particular answer to that riddle because mm -hmm. that answer fits too. I was just about to say that. Yeah. Like yeah. I think it, <laughs> if I was in that situation as a GM and somebody was just like, Oh, the answer is this. And I looked and I read through the riddle and I was like, Oh yeah. Be like, yeah, <laughs> you, got, you got it, you know, or have like, you know, if, if it's some sort of person giving the riddle or a magic object giving the riddle, right. Then you can have that kind of comedy moment of like, Oh, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> You should have been me. a little bit more. <laughs> yep, yep. Well, yeah, it could be. Well, I suppose that fits too. Uh-huh. And uh, I can't see any reason to not give you the magical mm -hmm, amulet mm -hmm. <laughs> because you Tearing did the page out of the riddle book. successfully right. answer the riddle. <laughs> and, you know, like, yeah, the, the magical talking chest says, well, yeah, you got me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Clicks open, right? Yeah. And maybe, maybe you even give a bonus to the players, right? Maybe it's, maybe you have a, an NPC who's giving you this riddle and who you present this new answer to them and they get really excited, right? Because it's like, whoa, I've never heard, like, I've never heard that before. Here, have this extra magic ring, right? You know, just kind of as a, I think that there's, I think you can also reward players for that ingenuity. Yeah. I, I love the idea of a character that like works at a shop and always wants to just, like try out their new riddle on someone and getting yeah. <laughs> really excited when they get into it and try to answer it. Or even uh -huh. if they don't get the right answer and they beg for the answer. Oh yeah. Beg, beg for the answer. Do it. And then be really happy. <laughs> <laughs> what if you have a shopkeeper, maybe you have a shopkeeper who is like, if you can solve this riddle, I'll give you like 20% off, right? Mm -hmm. Like a little, just, just because they like it, just because they think it's fun. Right. Just, and, and then if they, you know, if your players struggle with it, then maybe next time they come back to that shop, they, they've figured it out and they can get something off of that order. Who knows? Yeah. And, and you can take it in a lot of different directions like that. If people, if the players are just getting stumped on the riddle and you don't want to do the fallback to skill check thing, which you can, mm -hmm. it's perfectly yeah. acceptable to do that. Um, you can, you can have the, the person that's given them the riddle be like, say, uh, all right, I can see you clearly want this very badly and I'm going to give it to you, even though you haven't solved the riddle, but you owe me a favor that you mm -hmm. must do for me at the moment that I call it, no matter when, no matter where. Mm -hmm. Um, or even better, you've got like, you know, some devil or demon thing doing it. And it's, you know, you could sign your soul away <laughs> for the answer to the riddle. And one of those players is like, done. <laughs> you know, you got a player of five or six, a table of five or six players. One, one of those players is yeah. going to be like, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll sign my soul away. And uh -huh. then you can pay that off later. It'd be That's even better fun, yeah. if you found out later from someone like, oh, that riddle is not a riddle that has no answer. You've been tricked. You've been hacked. Oh yeah. Mm, that's fun. I'm a fan of that. Yeah. I'm, I'm very <laughs> devious. I like to, that is extremely devious. <laughs> so I've designed a lot of riddles, but not, I mean, I've designed them for role-playing games, but my husband has a a fantasy football league. I almost called it a final fantasy league. I always do that. <laughs> He has a fantasy football league that he calls the chaos league and okay. part, part of the chaos league for the drafting of, I don't know a lot about football, but for the drafting of the players, mm -hmm. he asked me to make riddles. So they didn't know what players they were drafting unless they solved the riddle. <laughs> <laughs> That's chaos. So okay, for, for really each good. of the players, what I did was I went onto their Wikipedia pages. I was like looking up, up their sports stats and trying to come up with the, the first riddle that I did for all the players was just to come up with a nickname or that would emblemat be emblematic of them. Cool. Yep. And the second time I did it, I did those, I don't know what they're called, but you know, you get like picture clues and you have to try to figure it out. Like 
based on the pictures. I don't know what they're right, called. Right, the pictogram of where you string the yeah the, each of the words together. Oh, yep. Like I it's a picture go. of a it's a picture of a pig, but what you're really looking for is the syllable sow. Right, that's going to become part of another word or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know what those are called exactly. No, no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I got um, you though. Yeah, but for those are, those are riddles. For the upcoming draft, I'm going to do yeah. haiku Rizzle, puddles. Puzzles. <laughs> puddles. Yeah. A combination rizzle, rizzle and puddle. <laughs> combination My favorite. Riddle and puzzle. The the the, the puddle. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna do haikus for the next one. Whoa. So it's like a descriptive thing of them. I'm gonna try to make it very vague and prophecy-like. Um, I just wanted to throw those ideas out for anyone who's thinking, like, okay, what how do I make a riddle? There are all sorts of things you can do for a riddle riddles can even be here's you know here are here's a hangman type like here are your slots <laughs> yeah. for your letters you have to figure out an answer that fits this that would be that would make sense in this place um I, there are all sorts of like any puzzle you can take you can make a puzzle a riddle yeah. we've talked about puzzles before on the podcast um i just feel like they're very very linked and people who like riddles tend to like puzzles and vice versa give them a wordle <laughs> yeah that's good yes oh that's a good point um with riddles um give them multiple guesses yeah yeah, three yeah guesses that's but, important. but but each but each time you get a but each time you guess wrong something happens mm -hmm. and like you know give them something foreboding about that so that way you know the, the they'll think a little bit but like okay i think man, this this one i'm pretty sure i think this one's okay but we still got two more guesses after this like they'll talk themselves into giving you those first couple of guesses because mm -hmm. they'll be like, oh, I still, we still got to guess. <laughs> and then when you get them down to the last one, now it's make or break. And Right. Right. The the first guess is always like <laughs> first thing, you give Boom, them throw multiple... it out there. Yes. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Also, I'm going back a little bit, but I was, I was thinking about your, uh, just your idea of the riddle actually has no answer and you've been, you've been duped. Right. Um, <laughs> I actually love the idea of the riddle actually having an answer but the person who is presenting the riddle doesn't think it does right mm -hmm. so then you you could hypothetically have players solve this riddle and then the the person who is trying to dupe you gets duped themselves um i think would be also a fun way to go about it oh yeah, yeah would... and then they get angry they get angry and start stomping their feet like that's actually a good answer this wasn't supposed to have an answer <laughs> fine here's the thing <laughs> <laughs> Again, you can have a great comedic moment. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe they're, you know, they're trying to get you to sell your soul, but now that you've solved their riddle, their soul has now been sold. And right. Well, it's like, you a, get a like fun NPC. Yes. Yeah. You get a fun the little... backfires. Yeah. Um, sure. I you could uh, <laughs> do it like the bottle imp story, which has an end sort of like there's a pressure end game to it. Um, Jess, you're familiar with the bottle imp. Yes. No. The, uh, so, so I think it's, I think it's called the bottle imp. It's an O Henry story where somebody sells a bottle to the the main character um and when they get the bottle they get like wishes or like their life is great or something like they get all the rewards right but 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 they have to sell the bottle to somebody else before they die otherwise they're damned mm. but they have to sell the bottle to somebody else for less than what they paid for it oh and it keeps going so like in the story people get down to like like there's there's a there's a coin called the farthing that nobody uses anymore but you can still Whoa. find them and it's a quarter of a of an english penny and so we'll sell it for the farthing and then there's like you know an even smaller and smaller and smaller coin but there's there there comes a point where there's the smallest coins but you could like i'm just saying you could do the riddle thing where like this person was trying to get you to to be stumped by the riddle and then you solve it and they're like oh! and now i know they're still cursed and so like mm -hmm. maybe uh, they even entreat, yeah. they entreat upon the characters to like can you help me get rid of this riddle curse oh that's fun <laughs> i love that and you turn that in another direction <laughs> oh and then they they could go and go to the fiend that made this thing in the first place and you're suddenly in a realm of riddles and everything is oh, then you no. can live all of your wild gm riddle desires maybe you have maybe this riddle curse in order to pass it on somebody has to give you an answer that has not been given before right if there's a riddle that has multiple answers to it then every time it gets passed down it needs a different answer i like that i like that too a lot 
there are all sorts of fun things you can do with riddles. This is yeah, this is great. This has been enlightening. <laughs> um, it's by Robert Louis Stevenson. Um, oh, I thought it was okay. by oh, I, I thought if I was it was by O. Henry because it sounds like the kind of story O. Henry would have written. Yeah, sure. Um, mm-hmm. Because it screws you in the end. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's yeah, Robert Louis Louis Stevenson story gotcha. called The Bottle Limp. It's a, it's a it's a short story. It's a fun read. I'll read that one. Yeah, that sounds yeah. fun. So. I have no good transition for this other than <laughs> other than to say that young people are a riddle and they have this thing called TikTok. Oh I, I mean, I know what TikTok is. I'm, I'm not I'm not going to do that joke anymore. Um, I don't have one. I don't really like I see TikToks around. So I'm, I'm very curious about this topic. And Sam, you have a TikTok account page. Mm-hmm. That and you do a lot of TTRPG related TikToks on it, and I'm very excited to hear uh, about what you think of TikToks and game design. Yeah, so uh, it's it's kind of funny because I I can still consider myself kind of new to TikTok. I downloaded the app, so it's it's currently July. I downloaded the app in September, and. You know, because I, I had heard, I kept on here, I kept hearing about it, and I was like, "This seems like a bad idea," because I feel like I would get sucked into this, right? But I finally caved and I downloaded it, and I had it for like a week, and I was like, "Well, I could probably do like RPG stuff on here. I could, I could help like promote RPGs. It seems like a something that people would like. There's a big D and D community on TikTok. Um, I know a lot of those people would be interested in indie RPGs. So like, let you know, let let's try making some stuff, and it's really grown to like a lot." larger and a lot faster than I expected it to, which has been amazing. But yeah, TikTok as a platform is weird. (laughs) It's a weird (laughs) one. Um, It's very like, it's very overstimulating, um, especially if you don't like things like autoplaying and like people voicing over music and things. It's, it's, there's a lot going on, but it is, I think if you can I think it, it can be a really good platform to talk about games um, because there's so large of an audience on TikTok and there are like tags to help it find the right audience. And there's, you know, obviously TikTok being as large as it is, there's a lot of content on it. So not every video is going to be seen really. But I think that there really is a community there who is actually really interested in indie TTRPGs and a lot of people who don't know it yet. (laughs) Um, I've been making these videos that kind of go in depth about a particular game. The first one that I ever did was Laurie O'Connell's Lichcraft and I've just been doing them since then and they're less than three minutes long and they just give like an overview about what it's like, what it is, what it's like, what the rules are, what I like about it. And I've had a lot of people comment and say, hey, I didn't know that stuff like this was out there. Um, I've done videos on solo games before and a lot of people have said, I didn't know there was such a thing as single player RPGs. And so it's been really cool seeing people find it and get interested in it. And also um, like ask questions, right? Some people will ask, hey, do you know anything about like a sci-fi game. I'll be like, yeah, here's some recommendations, right? And it's been neat engaging with this community who a lot of them are very new to all of it um, and are learning about what's out there. And it's really cool to kind of help show people what's out there. I think it's definitely an interesting place for game designers to start looking at because like you said, there are people who maybe don't even know what a TTRPG is, but there Mm -hmm. are so many people on TikTok and a kind of a different audience than a lot of us as game designers might have access to already. So, I mean, people who are, are game designers are typically already adults. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the one thing. So your audience is also going to be typically already adults as well. Yeah. A lot of the places that people have been using, like, outreach on social media have been via Twitter or via Facebook or via formally via Google groups, although that was, that's gone now. Uh, but TikTok is like this new, a new space, a new angle on maybe some overlapping audience, but definitely a way to reach new people. And I know for me, it feels like sometimes I'm talking about TTRPGs to the same people all the yeah. time. I've been thinking about 
see the problem is I think if I get a TikTok page, it's going to be bad for my life, but <laughs> yeah, maybe um, I think definitely... that that's going to be the problem. Yeah. I have to, whenever I post a video, I've found that it's really good for me to have something that I need to do immediately afterwards to have mm. something set up right afterwards, mm. because otherwise I'm like, I'm kind of like looking at the numbers and then I'll also find myself just scrolling through videos for like an hour. And then I'll be like, this is bad. <laughs> I need to not do this. So it's, it's definitely like you kind of, I, I've, I've definitely learned that it's good for me to have something specific going on so that it makes me put it down um, for like right afterwards. The endless scrolling of content yeah. is going to be particularly bad for somebody like me who is very susceptible to an endless scroll of content. Yep, I get um, that. <laughs> I mean, that, I it's, that. It's designed specifically to keep you on the app for yeah. longer, which mm -hmm. I mean, that's how, that's how a lot of apps work. That's how Twitter works. That's how, yep. you know, the endless, literally endless scrolling works on all these social media apps now, but I, I like the, the, the tip there. Give yourself something else to do. I think yeah. having a TikTok with a purpose might also help too. If you do have, if you are, you know, trying specifically to give out different content and reach others with the same content. But as far as I understand, again, not having this app, when you get onto it, the algorithm feeds you pages. How do you go out and discover other stuff? You mentioned the tags. Yeah, it's very difficult. TikTok's search function is just bad. <laughs> it's pretty poor. So the algorithm, once you, once you create an account, the algorithm will just give you videos, right? And then it'll see what you're watching and it'll see what you're liking and what you're commenting on. And then it'll kind of refine what it thinks that you're interested in. So if somebody is liking a lot of D&D related videos, then it's going to start giving them more D&D related videos. But then also if you're tagging your video, like for me, I, my videos aren't about D&D, but I still tag them as D&D because it's related. Right? right. So I basically like if, if you, for the people who are seeing a lot of D&D videos, because I'm tagging mine as that, it might also show up in their feed too, as being something related to what they're interested in. So it's, but you can, you can search on TikTok and you can search different tags, but it's pretty difficult to like actually find what you're looking for. I think there's definitely, there's a lot of pros and a lot of cons to the platform. I think one of the, one of the pros, um, which feeds into something that you said, Jess, is that the audience is different. And I think that one of the nice things about TikTok is that I think it is easier for new people to see what you're making than it is on Twitter. So also on Twitter, I feel like the same people see the same stuff all the time, right? And yeah, you can get those like recommended tweets, right? For people who are also interested in, in what you're interested in. But, but TikTok, if your video is doing at least somewhat well, right? Then it'll, the better that the video is doing, it's kind of this cycle, right? Like the videos that do well, really do well. And the videos that don't, don't. And so if the algorithm, if the algorithm is seeing that people are like watching your videos, right. That people are actually watching it, then it'll throw it onto other people's feeds um, for people who don't follow you. So unlike Twitter, well, like Twitter will kind of do that, but not to the extent that TikTok will. So it's easier for new people to find you on TikTok than it is on Twitter. Mm. Well, that's a smart, that's a smart way for an algorithm to be for a newer platform oh yeah to get more people involved is like it's oh it's just gonna you know it's gonna share your stuff you're gonna find stuff mm -hmm. um, and it seems like the having a bad search function actually fits their model very well as well because mm. tiktok is their homer simpson in, in hell at the donut <laughs> no tiktok <laughs> wants to just jam the donuts down your throat like you like donuts so now you're going to get more donuts you're going to get uh -huh, donuts yeah. that are related to all the types of donuts that you have liked and watched mm -hmm. Um, and so you just, it sounds like, yeah, smart tagging on, on the part of the creator and being, you know, I'm sure it helps to be, a you know, personable and, and engaging personality <laughs> and, and, you know, it, because it's, it's such a quick, you know, you're, you're getting videos that are one, two, three minutes long. Like if you can keep things quick and short and fun and snappy and engaging, you know, beyond just reviewing a game or telling somebody about a game as a designer or a publisher, or a person who's just in the TTRPG space. Mm -hmm. Like I could tell you how to create characters for capers 
in a two minute video. Yeah, that could be really in- interesting, engaging and have the thing, the character sheet goes up on the page and it just boop, 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 boop. And I talk about like what you do. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a more interesting way to learn how to create a character for some people um, than it is to sit there and read <laughs> the the two pages of character creation rules. Yeah, and sure. The, and the graphic that goes with it in the in the rule book. Um, and so you could build, you could find people like, you know, even if they're not interested in the character or, or they don't know anything about the game, you're not just selling them the game, but you're telling them something about the game. You're like, you know, this is how you create a character or this is the kinds of stories you can tell. Or you should, you know, you could just share stories of like seeing the game run at conventions or, um, you know, tell like quick stories, you know, and for people, you just engage with, engage people in, in different ways because everybody is going to get interested in a thing in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. I've also seen a lot of people do videos that are like these, I've done a couple of these myself, but things like, hey, this is a bunch of sci-fi games. This is a bunch of cozy games, right? And that's kind of cool too, for people who are interested, who are like looking for a particular thing. I think uh, Mort Philippia or Philippia Mort, I forget (laughs) which, uh, what the specific username is, but she does also a lot of RPG TikTok stuff. And um, very similar to my channel, she is very specific about what she's doing um, in that like her TikTok page is about RPGs. Like she doesn't really post about anything else, which I also think if you're, if you're somebody who wants to use TikTok specifically as a platform to advertise your games or talk about other people's games, I, I really do think that kind of uh, specifying your content and like honing in on a specific thing actually does really help because then when people are following you, they know exactly what they're getting. Right. So I know that like, if I wanted to make random videos about other stuff, I wouldn't put them on that TikTok. I would make a different one to do that mm-hmm. just because that's not what the people who are following me are there for. And so she also does that as well. Um, and she does a lot of videos that are like, Hey, if you liked our flags, our flag means death. And here are, <laughs> you know, five <laughs> RPGs that you should look at, which are really cool. So it's neat. It's neat seeing more and more people, I think, gravitate to the platform. There was a- already a community there before I joined it. Um, and it's grown since then too. So like getting there and seeing what was there and now seeing it grow has been um, pretty interesting. It's really interesting. And you can get little glimpses of the of a of your of your own or of, you know of the person's personality in there too. Like I I know from your TikTok, like you mostly talk about mostly most of your your videos are reviews of a specific game. Yeah. But you do a few where you do like an unboxing and you show off a few games where you're just mm-hmm. like this one's really exciting. I I got you know I backed this one on Kickstarter for this reason and it's just enough to know about what your interests are. And then you have every so often where you talk about like being any nominated or right. um, having your game come out where there you get a, a glimpse of like, oh, this is Sam as a person, oh. <laughs> not just as a reviewer, <laughs> yeah, so. which mm-hmm. is which is an engagement level that the indie RPG people often rely on mm-hmm. um, to to get people interested in their games is, you know, I, I have a discord community and I have people that I, you know, I have Twitter followers that have, they kind of know me. They don't mm-hmm. just know my games. They know who Craig is and what Craig is like and what Craig is into and what, what sorts of things set Craig off and like, you know, whatever the case <laughs> is. So you can, you can incorporate that sort of stuff, but like, yeah, I think you're right. If you like, you know, I love the the show Westworld, but I'm not going to do Westworld on the same TikTok as I'm doing RPG stuff. Like I'd make yeah, a sure. different TikTok for that. I think uh, that's, that is so interesting. The, I'm, I mean, this is like a whole other topic to get into, right? But the, the kind of combination of personal and professional that this industry is, Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely not for everyone, right? And there are absolutely ways that you can separate the two. If you want to keep those separate, you can. But I know for me, I mean, this is not, I have a a whole other full-time job, right? (laughs) This is what I'm doing on the side. But it's it's very interesting kind of like making connections, right, in this community who are, it, it is networking, but I would also call them my friends, right? And so it's it's the kind of mixture of personal and professional of play and work, I think is interesting from just a, how you're going about like 
I don't know, presenting yourself in the community, right? But then also, I, I think that a lot of it has to do with the fact that it, this industry is all about play, right? It's all about creating games and playing games and um, divorcing yourself from play is impossible yeah. uh, when you're when you're designing RPGs. So I think that that mixture of personal and professionalism that we see so often in this industry has a lot to do with the content that we're producing. And it's fascinating, in my opinion. I, I really like it. I have I have a, a great time <laughs> in, in this community. Um, but but yeah, it's definitely not for everyone, for sure. And it's extremely social. Just the the oh, yeah. the things that we're producing are meant to be played socially unless you're playing a solo RPG, mm-hmm. in which case you're just playing with yourself. But I think that that has a lot to do with it. But also the fact that, I mean, we're all indie game designers. We don't work for Hasbro. Yep, yep. Uh, so the things that you have to do now where so much marketing is happening on social media requires a level of being an influencer. So, uh, Sam, mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you think of yourself as an influencer? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Um the, the one fascinating question, Jess. It's a riddle. Answer <laughs> actually, my riddle. <laughs> um, that it, it it's it is very bizarre. Um, but I think that the first time that somebody used that word in reference to what I was doing was very weird. <laughs> well, but, that is what you're doing, though, right? But you it are. is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is like it feels strange to say, but technically speaking, yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of the word for it. Um, I had a really funny conversation with Jeff Stormer about this the other day, where where we were both like feeling the same thing, right? He was like, "I don't like. I guess technically we're influencers, even though that just feels wrong to say, <laughs> right?" <No>. Um, <laughs> so we. Yeah, it's just it's it's bizarre, but yes, like I I guess I would consider myself an influencer, um, even if saying that sentence out loud doesn't sound correct. <laughs> maybe maybe think of it as there's influencer capital I and influencer lowercase I. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm a, I'm an influencer lowercase I as mm-hmm. opposed to somebody who has you know you know, three million followers on YouTube and this is my job. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, definitely not my job. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that there's, there's not necessarily anything wrong with it. I mean, I make anti-capitalist games. So my relationship with marketing and capitalism in general is, is very strange and very, yeah, yeah. It's very complex. It's very very complex, (laughs) but uh, there's nothing necessarily inherently (laughs) evil with, especially marketing your own, your own labor and your own products, or even promoting other people's there. I think it's all about like the relationship that you have with it and, you know, your purpose in doing it. Again, there's nothing wrong with trying to sell something to somebody, especially if it's something that you created on your own. So I don't think that influencer is not a bad word, even though it's used like a bad word. I would, I would fully agree with that. I think that it's, it's just kind of, it's kind of a funny word. I don't know. Right. It's, it's uh there's, when you think of it, it conjures up an image of somebody with like 3000 or, Mm -hmm. you know, 3 million followers. I think Kim Kardashian, right? Yeah. Right. Right. Who's getting like these brands coming at them and like talking about that. Right. But um, no, I actually, I, I really like the work I do. I'm really proud of the work I do um, in promoting games. I think that, you know, my, my whole purpose in creating the channel, I call it a channel. I don't know what it's actually called (laughs) on TikTok, Um, but my whole purpose in creating the channel on TikTok was to just get more eyes on the indie TTRPG community in general. And I think that I've in, in a small way accomplished some of that. And I think that that's really, that's really exciting to me. Um, just being able to make a video about somebody's game and, and see other people get excited about it. Um, it's really, really rewarding. And it's also been awesome talking to these other designers about it, right? I always reach out before I make a video on a game or they'll reach out to me and see if it's something I'm interested in. And and it's cool being able to talk to them about it. And and yeah, at the same time that I am making these videos about other people's work, I'm also creating an audience for my own work. Um, so it's this kind of mutually beneficial situation, right? 
And yeah, I've gotten a lot out of it. And it's also gotten me to read more games <laughs> just in general. <laughs> like I have, I have a reason why I, why I need to read more games now. And that has been great. And there's been some games that I've picked up that I might not have otherwise, because it wasn't a particular genre that I always go for. Um, but somebody reached out about it and I was like, yeah, this looks, this looks cool. I'll give it a read. And so that's been great. It's kind of diversified my RPG reading. And I mean, all these games rule, right? Like <laughs> it's all, it's, it's been really fun and it's been a, uh, it's just been beneficial for a whole lot of different reasons. Um, it, it is a lot of time and energy. <laughs> so I'm kind of working right now on balancing kind of RPG design versus the TikTok stuff versus everything else, right? Um, and and figuring out what I want my time balance to look like between all those things. Um, but you know, we're working on that. It's getting there. Everyone in this industry has a problem with balancing their time. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. I would believe that. I would believe that. Well, we're, we're working I've... somebody has. We have to we have to promote our own stuff. Like I said, we're we don't work for Hasbro. We don't have a marketing team behind yeah. us that's getting mm -hmm. paid millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. You have to go yeah. out and tell people about your games. You have to do that. And I think it's yeah. also great to, to do that for, for fellow creators too, because while at the same time, you might think of each other as competition, we're really not. We are no. all trying to raise the levels of the of the harbor, yeah. the locks. I don't know what, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Rising tides, the tides that rise all the ships. Something, something water, something. Right, right. Something water, something. <laughs> yeah, I think I think looking at it as competition is the exact wrong way to go, right? Yeah. Like I, 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 I mean, that's exactly the opposite of how I've looked at it. It's, yeah. it really is like, there's obviously the, the monoliths of D&D, &D, of Pathfinder, right? And being able to kind of get other eyes on other games is something that benefits everyone, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, I mean, I might be promoting another designer's work, but that person who sees that work might then go on to look at other games as well. And even if they don't, then that's great that they looked at the one, right? Like it's, it's just, I don't think that promoting other people's work in any way detracts from your own work. I think that it only helps to lift everyone up. Sam, this has been a great conversation. I feel like we talked more, like less specifically about TikTok. Maybe some other time you can come on and give us some very specific TikTok advice. <laughs> Maybe I'll download TikTok and come to you next time with a list of questions. Hey, I'm Ivy Game. If, <laughs> if there's, it's a weird, it's a weird little platform. There's a lot of little like um, you, you definitely have to play around. I, if anybody is interested in using it, I highly recommend just making some nonsense stuff and just playing around with how it works, because you're going to find that there's certain limitations that it has that are that you can work around. But, you know, it's good to know those before you record something that uh, takes like two hours to make. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Completely. Yeah off topic i'm fascinated mm -hmm. by because i watch a couple youtubers that talk about tiktok this very matryoshka doll matryoshka whatever oh yeah russian nesting <laughs> doll of yep, yep. creation of tiktokers who believe in mermaids interesting anyway That's there's something for you to think about <laughs> they look for evidence of mermaids is this, totally is this, like, this is like the shark this is my shark tooth thing yes. this is like me being like you just what you just taught me like this there's a thing i gotta go yeah. look at go look it I up i have never okay. heard of this before <laughs> go look it up interesting okay okay um, huh. but anyway <laughs> sam where can we find your tiktok page and the other work that you do in the ttrpg industry Sure. Um, so you can find me at Goblin Mixtape at pretty much all sites. So um, TikTok, YouTube, I have, I have a YouTube page where I upload the TikToks too, but um, it's slow. <laughs> it's a gradual process. So TikTok, YouTube, Twitter at Goblin Mixtape. And then my games that I design can be found at blinkingbirchgames.itch.io. And one of those games, Anamnesis, has been nominated for Best Digital Product. Is that right? Yes, Best, best Electronic Book. Electronic Same book. difference. Electronic book. <laughs> it's a similar, I think similar it's slightly sort of thing. Uh, yeah. But you can, go, you can go vote for that product uh, on the Ennies voting page. Yeah, exciting. Crazy. Wild. <laughs> it's unbelievable. But yes. You can find me on my 
only real social that I use on Twitter at at Jaska. You can find my games on itch or on drive through RPG under wannabe games or also on wannabegames.com. And you can find uh, my stuff at nerdburgergames.com. It's also on drive through. I'm at nerdburger Craig on Twitter and uh, yeah, go vote for good strong hands for best family game and best rules. And um, I've got a Patreon where we're spooling up to caper cyber um, and there will be concepting art this this uh this month and probably next month too i'm going to spread it out because beth is working to figure out what this world is going to look like um and that's at patreon.com slash nerd craig and thank you for our opening and closing theme song which is avil by steph Sachs. it was licensed under creative commons thank you steph Sachs, and thank all of you for listening and we'll see you back here next time bye bye bye